I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. One of the biggest problems in aromatherapy is conflicting information and crazy wild claims. All you have to do is search essential oils on the internet, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So when you're looking for information, how do you know who to trust, and how do you know what's right? Well, that's the reason I created this podcast, and a course called Science of Aromatherapy. The Science of Aromatherapy course takes you through aromatherapy as a healing art and the history and modern use of essential oils. You'll learn the basics of aromatherapy, the science and chemistry of essential oils, contraindications and safety considerations, and clinical and personal applications. In this course, I take you through everything from how aromatherapy affects epilepsy and bleeding disorders to drug interactions, allergies and sensitivities, and to use in pregnancy and breastfeeding, and even with children. We covered the main modes of application and profiles of the 10 most popular essential oils. By the end of the course, you'll understand the most common contraindications and safety guidelines, how to use essential oils, how to build a protocol, and how to choose, cross-reference, and eliminate essential oils, as well as how to formulate, blend, and dilute essential oils, and so much more. So why should you learn from me? Well, I'm a clinical aromatherapist, and I've been working with essential oils for around 20 years. I've trained with some of the world's renowned botanists and aromatherapy experts, and I teach people all over the world about aromatherapy. I also happen to be a professional health writer and have published peer-reviewed research work in aromatherapy. It's no longer necessary to be confused about aromatherapy. Let me guide you to clarity. Visit livelovelemon.com forward slash science dash course to enroll. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to talk about the rest of the lavender essential oils that we typically use in aromatherapy. So in our part one episode, we talked about true lavender and lavendin. So in this episode, let's talk about Spanish lavender and spike lavender. If you listen to part one, you know there are many species of lavender, there are many chemotypes of lavender, species have many different botanical synonyms, and then there are many different types of lavender aromatherapy products from essential oils to absolutes to fragrance oils that aren't, you know, aromatherapy to many, many different varieties and cultivars of lavender. I mean, there's just so much lavender on the market. Lavender is native to the Mediterranean, and we classically think of it being from France and England, especially aromatherapy products, especially essential oil that we use for remedies. But in fact, lavender actually only came to England in the mid-1500s. While that's a long time ago, in terms of plant history, it's actually not that long ago. So today, it's a global plant, and and there's so many varieties and chemotypes, and it's grown all over the world. You've probably even tried to grow it in your garden. But not all of those plants are great for essential oil production. So when we talk about lavender for essential oil production and aromatherapy use, it is typically grown in Bulgaria, France, and the United States. So we say that lavender is the universal essential oil, and it is probably the most popular essential oil for this reason. It has so many benefits because of its therapeutic actions and the versatility of it, and because it is so gentle and safe to use, there are no contraindications for it, it can be used for anyone. But this only applies to true lavender. 
the species Lavandula angustifolia. And the other main species of lavender do carry contraindications, which means there may be times it's not appropriate to use these oils. So in our previous episode, part one, we talked about the fact that there really are four main species of lavender plants that we use in aromatherapy. True lavender, lavendin, spike lavender, and Spanish lavender. Those are the ones that really produce essential oil and have have the most use for us. And so those are the ones we use the most in aromatherapy. Since we've covered lavender and lavendin already in episode part one, we're going to talk about spike lavender and Spanish lavender. So spike lavender is the species Lavandula latifolia or Lavandula spica. Spanish lavender is Lavandula stochas. This can be called French lavender or maritime lavender, which is very confusing because we have both this being called both Spanish and French lavender. However, those are the same plant. I've seen experts actually writing about lavender and that Latifolia spica and Stochess are all synonyms for true lavender. This is incorrect information. While Latifolia and spica are synonyms, they are actually all different species. Spike and Spanish are not the same thing as true lavender. All lavender, however, belongs to the mint family. And lavender plants are a woody evergreen shrub that grows purple flowers. And so the leaves on the shrub may range from green to gray or silver, just kind of depending. And really the main differences and the main identifying differences in the species are the flowers and their shape. So when you look at lavender versus true lavender, lavender will also often just have one conical flower, whereas lavender will have sort of like a tripod of flowers on it. So there'll be one in the middle and two on each side, each their own cone. And so, you know, that type of difference is what you typically see in the differences in the plants. It's going to be sometimes the difference of the, the flowers and the way they show up on the plant. So we get both spike and Spanish lavender from the flowering tops of the lavender plant. And these are steam distilled typically. However, you can also get absolutes where the volatile compounds are extracted with a solvent. Although these are these are mostly pretty uncommon for spike and Spanish lavender. Typically, you'll see an absolute in lav- true lavender and lavendin. Spike lavender, Lavandula latifolia or Lavandula spica, is often adulterated with other oils. These are Spanish sage, eucalyptus, lavender, or fractions from these oils or other cheap oils. So if you remember from part one episode, and if you haven't listened to that, please go listen to it. Lavandin is the most hardy lavender plant meaning it's the most commercial. It produces the most essential oil per acre compared to other lavenders. True lavender, spike and Spanish lavender just do not produce as much essential oil. And so other oils are often added to them to make it a little bit cheaper to produce. So it's often, these other lavenders are often adulterated products. When we look at the chemistry of spike lavender, it is highest in linalool, 1,8-cineol, and camphor. And that 1,8-cineol content and camphor content will give it a bit more of a eucalyptus and camphorous smell. And this is why eucalyptus is added to spike lavender. This is very common practice. 
Spanish lavender is also high in camphor and it is highest in camphor of all the lavender essential oils. It also contains high amounts of 1-8-cineal and fenchone. So in part one, we talked about lavender getting picked on because of its camphor content, but actually both spike and Spanish lavender have higher content of camphor than lavender does. And so that, con- that camphor content changes how we use the oils. And the 1-8-cineal in both spike and Spanish lavender, as well as the fenchone in Spanish lavender, do give it some contraindications. And we're going to come back to this in a minute. In comparison to true lavender, which has so many uses, but we, we often think of it mo- using it mostly for stress and anxiety and sleep and calming and for the skin, Spike lavender is going to be mostly used for pain, skeletal and muscular problems, and the lungs. So it's that 1-8-cineal and the camphor content in spike lavender. Both are mucolytic, broncholytic, and anti-inflammatory and antispasmodic. And linalool also, which is in spike lavender, is also antispasmodic and anti-inflammatory as well. So great. What does all that mean? Well, it means that where true lavender is going to help with stress, anxiety, calming, you know, relaxation, sleep, skin healing, spike lavender is going to help clear mucus. It's going to help widen those bronchi, which are the airways or tubes in your lungs. It's going to reduce inflammation and muscle spasms, particularly spasms in the smooth muscles. And smooth muscles are those involuntary muscles that you don't have control over, which are found in your lungs. They're also in your digestive system and pretty much all of your internal organ systems. These constituents are gonna be really helpful for the lungs. You're gonna go right for that. And when we look at lung conditions, irritation in that bronchi for whatever reason, be it virus, air pollutants, allergies, you know, those cause the lining of the bronchi to become inflamed. And when this happens, the lungs produce more mucus and you have bronchitis. So, you know, bronchitis can be connected to a variety of lung problems, but we see that 1-8-cineal and camphor can have the effect of reducing inflammation. And when you reduce that inflammation, you reduce the irritation in the, in the bronchi, it helps reduce mucus production. Your lungs automatically produce mucus in order to protect the lungs. So it also will help reduce mucus production and help clear it out. While it has a mucolytic action, it actually has more powerful action as an anti-inflammatory, that the 1-8-cineal constituent. And as well, it's going to help with those spasms and contractions in the lungs. So what that means, spike lavender in particular is going to be helpful for coughing and chest tightness and your cough and cold symptoms. It might help with an opening feeling as well as relaxing the lungs. And that's because of that 1-8-cineal and the camphor. 1-8-cineal and camphor are also analgesic. So spike lavender is going to be more helpful, as I said, for muscles and joints and pain, your skeletal and muscular systems. So it's going to help with body aches and soreness you feel in the body. And it's also going to help over time with anti-inflammatory, so inflammation in your in your joints, in your muscles, you know, your ligaments, tendons, that sort of thing. It can help in that area as well because of those anti-inflammatory properties. So... Where true lavender is calming, people may find spike lavender to be energizing. These constituents are very fresh, very bright, 
Combine that with linalool, which has the sedating and a calming action. This combination gonna help with bringing calm and clarity to say an anxiety-ridden brain. Spanish lavender also is high in camphor and 1-8-cineal, which would also give it some of the same actions as spike lavender. It's actually significantly higher in camphor and also quite high in 1-8-cineal. So, so some research you see, see on this says that it is even more rich than the spike lavender. So it, it's going to help for the lungs, it's gonna help for pain, it's gonna help for muscles and joints and that clarity piece for the brain as well. So sort of with brain fog or when you become so overwhelmed with your, your emotions, it can help with that piece as well. It's also high in a ketone called fenchone and fenchone is kind of gets a, a bad name as well, but a lot of the information being taught around fenchone is not the greatest. And so, you know, fenchone is not really the thing we want to be the most worried about here. It's that camphor content that is going to change how we use this oil. Generally speaking, most aromatherapists are not going to use Spanish lavender because it is so high in camphor. True lavender is more available and used more really than Spanish lavender. And that camphor content is kind of what gives it a bit of controversy. So we talked about that with the lavender, but Spanish lavender has the most camphor content out of all of those lavender oils. They are considered slightly toxic and with Spanish lavender being a greater risk. And I I really hate to use that word because people just tend to hear the word toxic and really dive into the deep end over, over that statement. And so I kind of really hate to use that, but camphor on its own is considered to be somewhat neurotoxic. What's interesting is both Spanish and spike lavender also contain linalool. And linalool is considered to be anti-convulsant. Camphor is neurotoxic, but linalool can actually counteract those effects. So spike lavender has lower amounts of camphor than Spanish lavender, but it has more linalool. And because of the actions of linalool, it may actually quench the effects of camphor. This kind of goes back to what I talk about all the time in, in aromatherapy is that just because the essential oil has a constituent doesn't necessarily mean it's going to have that specific action. Because of all the other constituents that exist within it, those can counteract or negate or stop those effects. And that is the phenomenon called quenching. And that occurs in authentic plants and it is really what makes essential oils complex. It's not as simple as saying spike lavender has camphor, therefore you should never use it because it also has linalool, which counteracts those effects. So we can't be so narrowly uh, focused when we're looking at our, at our essential oils. So even though spike lavender contains camphor, actually doesn't present a reason not to use it. Spike lavender, which is a species Lavandula latifolia or Lavandula spica, does not have any contraindications. So that's kind of why I hate to bring up the word toxic because, you know, while this concern is theoretical around camphor, it's a potential concern, when you look at actually using the essential oil and when you look at the practical use of it and when you look at the holistic piece of the spike lavender essential oil, it doesn't translate to a problem. It does, however, have different 
concerns, safety concerns. And some of the data indicates that it may be moderately irritating to the skin if it is used undiluted. And that's spike lavender. But that data was tested on rats. And so when it was tested on humans, wasn't quite as irritating or sensitizing. It's thought that maybe oxidation of the oil might, might lead to irritation. However, there isn't enough data really to know for sure. So given the camphor and the eucalyptol or that 1-8-cineal content, dilution is going to be important. And interestingly with spike lavender, despite all this discussion about camphor being slightly neurotoxic, it has grass status. This means generally regarded as safe to ingest or eat. So I find that really interesting that we start to freak out about, oh, it contains this one constituent, and yet we're saying it's safe to eat in food. It's safe to ingest. We're looking at this like lemon. So that also gives me more, more reason to say and more reason for my approach that you cannot look at just single constituents. You have to look at essential oils holistically. Spanish lavender is a little bit of a different story. It's not considered to be irritating to the skin, but it does contain higher camphor content and it can be as much as 50% of the essential oil. It also does have linalool, which could quench that action. However, the amount of it typically is much lower than in spike lavender. So it may not do it quite as enough either, which is a concern. So this essential oil, Spanish lavender, is contraindicated for pregnancy and breastfeeding because of the high amount of camphor. So that is Spanish or maritime lavender, which is the species Lavandula stochas, should not be used during pregnancy and breastfeeding because of the camphor content. You know, obviously we want to be careful during pregnancy. Someone once said to me that they read somewhere on a blog or something that you shouldn't use lavender during pregnancy. And to which my answer is, but which one are you talking about? There's this idea out there that lavender in general is unsafe for pregnancy and that is not true. Lavandula stochess is the one we need to use caution with. So knowing your species is very important. Knowing the supplier and what's in your product is also very important. Where it comes from is important. And also knowing who's talking about those species is also important. So sometimes Spanish lavender, as I said earlier, is not as preferred. It's not as used quite as much because of that high camphor content. It doesn't mean you can't use it. It just means you need to know how to use it most appropriately and what the risks are associated with it. And if you don't know that, it's really great to ask somebody who does know, right? Generally speaking, when we're talking about lavenders, if you want to add a lavender to your remedy cabinet, that's going to get you the most benefits. I suggest you go with true lavender. Lavandula angustifolia, which is also called Lavandula officinalis or Lavandula vera. And you can go back to the Lavender Essential Oils Part 1 episode and that's going to explain why you really want that one. It's really going to do the most for you and it's going to work for almost all populations. It's safe to use. It has no contraindications and it's going to be actually a, the most versatile essential oil you can have. These other oils like lavender, like we talked about, but also in this episode, spike lavender and Spanish lavender, those are going to be probably more special to use and carry more concerns or considerations that you may need to navigate. And frankly, 
maybe even unnecessary, unless you really have a specific reason why you wanna use those essential oils. True lavender is really gonna be your best option, and that's gonna be the one that is also most widely available. However, in general, lavender essential oils are beautiful. They date back thousands of years of how we've been using lavender essential oils, and they're really a great addition to any remedy cabinet as part of your aromatherapy collection. All right, beautiful people, thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.